Hello and welcome back to another episode of Believe in CFCW. It has been a few weeks since our last episode, mainly due to the fact that there was a stoppage, then there was a delay, then there were matches, and now there's an international break. And although the international break is just coming to an end, we're finally getting around to sit down and talk to those matches that happened just before it. And of course, to discuss these, I can't just all do it by myself. I did that once and it was quite boring. So today I've got a guest. She's one of the people who probably has the esteemed pleasure of spending time with me at matches and listening to me rant about anything from the win to the referees uh, to anything else in between. She's also an incredibly good designer and an incredibly good creative in her own right. Uh, and also a very good friend of myself as well. So it's great to welcome Jess to the show. Jess, how are you today? Um, good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. It's obviously the international break has been a bit of a grind. Um, I don't think we really needed one this early in the season. It's kind of disrupted everything. And also with the delayed start, I kind of feel that the league hasn't really got going yet, uh, despite the fact we've you know now played uh, sort of three games in the competition. And uh, it's time to start talking about those, I think. So if we move uh, quickly in, we'll look at the game against Manchester City. Now, obviously, I think it's fair to say Manchester City are a different beast this year with the number of players they've lost. Yes, definitely. Um, I think people were expecting it, but I don't think anyone was quite expecting the number of them to leave that did. Yeah, oh, no, I, d- I definitely agree. And I think it's important to note that it was the calibre of the players that also left as well. These weren't, you know squad players leaving, as perhaps was the case maybe at Chelsea, save maybe Jiso Young. These were top, you know, world-class England internationals that a number of them have just won Euro 2020. And it was a sort of you know, chaotic transfer window. I've done other content, both in threads and on podcasts, discussing Gareth Taylor. But in this game, City actually started quite well. We were, you know, very, very slow starters. And that seems to be a bit of a malaise for us at the beginning of seasons, especially early in games at the beginning of seasons, we do seem to really struggle with, you know, kicking on in the way we do perhaps a bit later in the season. Yeah, I think I think it's a similar sort of issue. Is we, we, had, we have had a lot of, sort of changes within the squad, people coming in, people coming out, so little niggly injuries here and there. So I think it's just going to take a few games. I think from what we've seen already, it's going to take a few games to sort of get back into it sort of really start to gel as a squad and with the changes that have come in and come out and stuff like that. I think just going to take a little while to get going. Um, I think we, we've started okay, um, but I don't think we've started as good as we maybe should have. Mm. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a fair sort of comment. And again, looking at the start of the season that Chelsea had, I think it had a relatively a relatively kind start, all things considered. But obviously this big uh, this game did also mark the return of Anne Katrenberger in goal. Um, obviously great to see her back, especially after health you know, problems in the summer. Yeah, it, it was brilliant to see her back. And she also played one of the best games she's played in a little while as well. Mm. Um, I think towards the end of last season, she wasn't, she wasn't poor. She was still brilliant, but there was, she was making little mistakes that she didn't used to make. Yeah. Um, but she came back and she was, if personally, I think better than ever. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I think it was probably her most dominant perf- 
performance in terms of all-round performance since the game a few years ago against uh, Atletico Madrid in the Champions League where she saved the two penalties and in that game, you know, was just commanding and dominant and confident. And for a lot of the first half, Chelsea really did have Berger to thank for keeping the score down. Again, she was able to sort of repel City as they attacked really, really well. And obviously Chelsea, I think it's fair to say, scored against the run of play, but ultimately scoring right before halftime is always a good time to score. Um, and I think, you know, with Kirby sort of providing it, it did settle a few nerves maybe inside Kings Meadow. Again, normally I would have been at the game, but obviously I was otherwise incapacitated for this one. So what can you remember what it was like in Kings Meadow? Was it sort of, you know, quite a sigh of relief going around the ground when Kirby did score? Definitely, definitely. I think Kings Meadow is always quite a nervous place anyway. In, <laughs> until that first goal is scored, everyone is on edge. But after that first goal, everyone calms down a bit and it's, it's such a good atmosphere, but taking that long to score a goal at home, everyone was proper on edge. But like you say, once she once she got that first goal, it, it was an easy chance, but she took it and that's all that really matters at the end of the day. Like you say, brilliant time to score. And it just, it settled, I think, the team's nerves and everyone who was in Kings Meadows' nerves before going into halftime and just being like, okay, regroup, let's go out there, second half and... Is the same again. And it's probably worth also noting, even after we did score, we then also did have Berger to thank for, I think, you know, one of an absolutely terrific, phenomenal state to deny Laura Coombs at the back post. I personally do think Laura Coombs will be disappointed that she didn't bury it, but, you know, you've got to give real credit to Berger for reacting and reading where she was going to put the strike and getting also that little bit of luck to tip it onto the post. Yeah, agreed completely. Um, I think Laura Coombs, she played, she had a really good game. Um, but every time she sort of really had that chance, there was that one player, like say Berger, um, just just got in the way, just put her off enough, um, that she didn't didn't get a, didn't get a goal that game. Mm. And moving into the second half, obviously we did see a few substitutions and changes from Chelsea, but I think realistically we have to say we sort of, you know were in control. We did dominate it. Um, Sam Kerr missed some good chances. Lauren James. Missed good chances. Uh, Aaron Cuthbert also had an effort that went just over. We did test Ellie Roback in the City goal. But what what do you think attributed from the difference between how Chelsea played in the first half and the second half? Do you think it was more Chelsea's changing sort of tactics or the fact City almost, you know, the first goal really seemed to deflate them? I think, uh, I think probably a combination of both. I think getting that goal at the end of the first half really kind of boosted us going into the second half and probably did the opposite for City. They probably were slightly on the back foot going into it. Yeah. Um, but I think Sophie Ingle coming on in, I think it was like the 64th minute, something like that. Once she came on, we we really went up a, up a gear completely. I mean, we can look like almost a different team. With, from when she came on, I was like, okay, this this is it. There's there's no chance, no chance we're going to lose this now. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the things. Even has had such a calming presence. I know both of us at times have uh, had spirited debate over the role of uh, <laughs> Sophie Ingle at Chelsea, but I think it's it's fair to say this was the sort of game I think that was made for her coming on at one 0 up. You know, when you want to take control and really sort of dominate it, and also obviously with City starting the season quite poorly themselves, um, conceding a lot of goals. Obviously, they shipped for the previous week against Villa. It almost felt like a situation where they were a bit worried that if they went too far forward, they would almost be hit 
on the sort of counter with the sucker punch. And eventually Chelsea did take the game away from them through Marin Mielda. I think we agree maybe a harsh penalty decision uh, against them. Although, again, considering the two that were given against Chelsea in the Liverpool match, I think it's hard to say that, you know, we weren't owed something from referees. Yeah, I think it's fair to say it was a soft penalty. Um, but... It's, a penalty is given. That's that's it. We we don't have VAR. I don't think we really. I don't think we really want it either. Um, but it 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 was soft. But at the end of the day, Marin's a brilliant penalty taker, and she was never going to miss it. So we have to take the opportunities we get. Yeah. No. Definitely. I uh, again as a mem- proud member of the car, a proud car carrying member of the fullbacks union. Um, I always love seeing a fullback step up and take a penalty because there's never any. You know, there's never any nuance or attempting, you know, Penenka it or doing something stupid. It's always just blasting it, like blasting it towards the corner. Um, and obviously, you know, Marimiel, it's really great to see her back on the pitch and, you know, playing well after her knee injury. And I don't think at any point last year she was really properly fully fit. Um, but at the same time, you know, as soon as she stepped up and sort of puts it away, that kind of makes it game over. And the last, you know, the referee almost could have blown up the whistle there. I think there were a couple of half chances at either end but it almost sort of typified where I think both clubs are at Chelsea needed the win to sort of kick on after obviously a disappointing opening day result and for City you're almost sat wondering now where do they go from here obviously they've only played two games so far this season they come back into action this weekend but now that game this weekend for them suddenly becomes really critical that they get a result I think especially considering that they are obviously out of the Champions League yeah, definitely. I'm not sure who they're playing this weekend, but I think every game for them will be a struggle this season. I think them they've lost such key players to their squad. Mm. Um and Gav Taylor, I don't know, he doesn't we both let's be honest, we both hate him. Fill me with confidence. I mean, I know a lot of City fans aren't particularly happy he's still there. Um, and if I were a City fan, I also wouldn't be very happy. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I think they're really going to struggle this season. Um, it might be a bit like last season where they struggled at first and then they kick on and seem to pull something through. Um, but I think missing some of those key players from their squad um, won't be easy for them. It's gonna it's gonna take them a while again to kind of restructure and work out what's what's best but I don't know if Gareth Taylor's going to be able to do that yeah no I know I'll, I'll nail my cards to the mask I think Gareth Taylor's an awful awful manager um I think he's lost the I know he's lost the dressing room I know there are major structural issues at Manchester City and realistically the WSL needs a strong Manchester City in order to remain a you know as interesting a proposition as it is starting to become um and at the moment the best thing City could do is sack him but again they face Leicester this weekend at Etihad campus and obviously if they don't beat Leicester with the best will and respect to Leicester City women in the, you know, that I can sort of master, you then really probably do ask questions about the manager. But this isn't a Manchester City podcast. So (laughs) moving swiftly back to the focus of the right team in blue. Um, Chelsea obviously did have the interesting proposition then midweek of facing West Ham, which was meant to be the opening game of the season, played at Stamford Bridge. But unfortunately, that was postponed due to the death of Her Majesty the Queen, and then subsequently moved to this midweek slot before the international break. Um, firstly, I was a little surprised to see us move it that quickly and to try and 
get it in. But I almost feel that that was preempting the fixture congestion that we're going to have now the UWCL draw has been made. Yeah, I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to go and answer the door. That's absolutely fine. In the meantime, while Jess is going to answer the door, uh, it's worth reminding everyone that we will have the Believe in Chelsea podcast coming out for the last two matches. And I'll be joined by my great mate, Jay McIntosh, uh, one of the original members of the CFC Social with me. Uh, he was my boss for a little while at the, system, at the CFC Social. And we'll be going over Chelsea's impressive victories over Wolverhampton Wanderers and most importantly, the game against AC Milan, as well as looking forward to the weekend's fixture um, on Sunday, which I will be going to at Aston Villa. So it'll be a great chance to go and see Graham Potter and uh, Potter Ball in action live. I also know that Jess is among those making the long trip up north to Walton Hill, Walton Hill Park to go and see uh, Chelsea women playing Everton women. And that'll be a really intriguing contest. So I look forward to discussing that with her and also discussing that on the next episode of Believe in Chelsea next week. But in the meantime, it's also worth me pointing out that if you are in England, or indeed you are visiting England in the next couple of weeks, then it's definitely worth investigating buying tickets for the Chelsea women's match being held at Stamford Bridge against Tottenham Hotspur. Because A, it's Tottenham and we always want to beat Tottenham. B, we want to fill out Stamford Bridge as much as possible. And C, it's a chance to see world-class attacking football, which at times in the last year and a half has maybe been lacking a bit at Stamford Bridge. And on that note, Jess has returned. Jess, how was the door? Um, yeah, it was just the postman. Nice. It was a, an exciting trip, I imagine, then. <laughs> Marvellous. Well, moving swiftly... I, I mean, uh, apologies for not being quite as exciting as the postman. But moving swiftly on to the West Ham game, obviously, disappointing it was moved from Stamford Bridge. But again, it was good to see a fair crowd in Kings Meadow, considering it was a midweek match. And I think there were train strikes disrupting it as well. Yeah, definitely. Um I mean, I said it before, Kings Meadow has an amazing atmosphere, no matter how many people are there. Um, but to get sort of a d- decent crowd on a Wednesday night in the cold um, was really good. Mm. Yeah, no, and again, another one annoyingly I did miss due to reasons outside of my control. But again, in a similar pattern to the last game, Chelsea started slowly and they conceded from my absolute cardinal sin Conceding from a set piece that you give away cheaply. Now, you know, I don't think we really need to talk to this too much because I'm sure Emma Hayes will have addressed it on the training ground. But it was pretty ridiculous to leave Brunard's Dottier, the tallest player and the most, you know, prominent aerial threat for West Ham, unmarked in the middle of the box. Yeah, it was just ridiculous. Um, I, it was so clear. Like I, Everyone there saw it happening. And yet the players on the pitch just, I don't know, completely I don't know whether they lost her they just I don't think we were quite switched on we, we did look to be zonally marking which is against me I really really do hate in football again the old phrase my dad sort of says to me is zones can't score players do um and I think you know that really has ring true but it was obviously really frustrating to see that because we'd actually started um on the front foot had some half chances and then you know we continued to create a lot of chances but Unfortunately, it looked like being another game where a goalkeeper just turned up and wanted to play a blinder against us. And even when Mackenzie Arnold wasn't playing a blinder against us, the post was thwarting us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fr- frustrating, um, to say the least. Um, mm. it, like you say, it was another relatively slow start. Um, 
I think sometimes the sort of players up front need to take more of their chances, test goalkeepers early. We used to do it, but we don't seem to do it so much anymore. Mm. Um, so I think I think going back to that, testing goalkeepers early, trying to get that early goal, exactly like West Ham did, we we need to get back to doing that. Mm. And again, I know how you sort of did reference this in the post-match interview and said at times we're trying to score the perfect goal rather than just any goal. Um, yeah. But obviously Chelsea did react quite well, I think. They did obviously get themselves back on the score sheet with a good finish from Fran Kirby just before... Uh, half time, obviously uh, three and three for her at the start of the season. It's a very solid start for Kirby, considering she was out a lot of the second half of the season with uh, sort of you know her fatigue issue. Yeah, uh, she's had a really good start to the season. Like I say, goals, um, assists. Um, even if her goals have come from what are relatively easy chances, um, she should be scoring those, and she is. So we need to keep doing that. Um, I think the difference between her at the moment uh, towards the end of last season when she was playing is she's now she's more in the right place at the right time. Mm. Um, I think last season there was, I don't know whether it was like slightly miscommunication, but there were too many chances that were happening where the passes were going either way in front of the player or too far behind the player. Um, so I think it's it's good to see that, but now we need to take more of those chances. Mm. Yeah, agreed. And on the topic of taking more of the chances, someone that had a mixed evening, I think it's fair to say, was Sam Kerr. Obviously hit the post uh, twice with two excellent efforts. I don't think you can fault. Had several chances where she should have scored, where she either, you know, tested the goalkeeper but not well enough or completely shanked the effort. But again, as top strikers are, she didn't stop and she was in the right place at the right time to sweep home the second. Obviously a suspicion of offside about it, but... You know, it was never really in any doubt that Sam Kerr would start scoring again, wasn't it? Yeah, of course. I think she's proven herself year after year, season after season, that she is an out-and-out goal scorer. And you can usually rely on her to get a goal when you need one. Mm. Um, And I think she did exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. And I think that's that's the big thing is the sign of a top striker is even if you miss one or two chances, you're there to take the ball when it matters. And obviously that goal was then followed up a few moments later by um, sort of, you know, the killer blow, Millie Bright coming in from the corner. Always good to see Millie Bright back on the score sheet. Yeah, I think um, it's no no shock to anyone. I'm a massive Millie Bright fan. Um, I think she's brilliant. She's not the necessarily the fittest or fastest of players, but she's another one who is nine times out of 10 in the right place at the right time. She's got that little bit of height advantage in the box. And I think it's shocking that she doesn't score more headers than she does, to be honest. But mm. I think that comes on to another thing of set pieces. And we're not particularly good at defending them. And we're not brilliant at our own set pieces either. Yeah. And uh, that was actually one of the, again, that really brings me on very nicely to the next point, because I think one of the big benefits for Chelsea from this game, and one of the big, I suppose, surprises, was how well Katarina Svitkova played against her former side, obviously making her full debut for Chelsea. Um, an interesting summer signing. I think one of the ones I think it could be a real astute bit of business and her set pieces were on the money, but her general work rate and her sort of, you know, effort and act- attitude, I think was the most impressive thing for me about the game. Yeah, I can completely agree. It's, she she's from a social media. She's clearly a massive, massive Chelsea fan. And I think that shows on the pitch. 
she put in from first whistle 100 percent effort the whole time and like you say taking set pieces she, she took quite a few corners in that game most of them went to a Chelsea player or were in the right kind of area um I think she'll be a really key kind of squad player I don't think she'll play every game mm. um I think she'll be in a lot of games she'll be a key substitute coming on making that difference a bit like I said about Sophie Ingle in the City game um but I, I just think she's going to make a big difference as a, as a squad player. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that's a good point. And I think, again, it's important to note we need the squad with what's coming up. Obviously, now the UWCL draw has happened. Um, won't do too much sort of response because, again, when it gets nearer the time, we'll look at them. But Paris Saint-Germain, Real Madrid, FK Vlasnia, it's not the easiest draw, is it? <laughs> No, not not the easiest, but I I feel confident. I think we've got a really good squad. And like I said, everyone seems to be improving each game. I think um, Kadisha Buchanan coming in, she's a massive sign-in. Mm. I think it's taken her a little while to get get going. Um, and I think in, being in a back line, the communication is so important. And I think that was slightly lacking in the first couple of games. Um but like I said, it's been improving each game and I think she will be a really key player for us. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I think obviously it'll be interesting when Paris Saint-Germain do come because it'll mean Chelsea fans maybe get a look at Grace Gioro, who might be someone who they may be seeing a little more of in the second half of the season. But that's a spoiler for another time. But for the moment, let's look ahead to the weekend. Obviously, you've got your long trip up north uh, to Walton, uh, Walton Hall Park to see Chelsea take on Everton. Firstly, have you got a woolly hat? Yes. Multiple. Yeah, you're gonna you're <laughs> gonna need it because it does the wind and rain do blow across. I'm hoping it's gonna be decent weather again. On the same day I'm gonna be in the Midlands watching Chelsea men playing Aston Villa. So I'm hoping it'll be nice weather in the you know cold the traditionally cold and frozen north. But obviously it could be a really interesting game I think with um Everton because obviously last year Chelsea sort of steamrolled them twice. Um, including that game away at the away game, which was effectively done in about 30 minutes because of how well Chelsea started now Paulie Everton played. But they look like they've got a little bit more about them this season. And a lot of that, I think, is due to the lonely uh, from Manchester City, Jess Park. Yeah, definitely. She is a massive threat for such a young player. She's so confident in her movements and abilities. And I think she she's definitely, definitely a threat. Mm. Um, I think it's... So, good coming through the international window or uh, sort of period that we seem to have been unscathed injury-wise, um, maybe a couple of niggles. Um, it'll be interesting to see if we see Harder back on the pitch or on the bench. Because, um, again, I think we've missed her. Mm, yeah, no, agreed. I, I've, you know, I think we definitely missed her ball carrying ability, and also the fact that she's one of the players who isn't afraid just to take a shot on. Like she will back herself to score from anywhere because she has the ability to score from anywhere. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, like you say, that that ball carrying skills, just the confidence, the pushing forward. She very, very rarely is making back passes, going backwards. It's always that positive move forward, and we need more of that as well. Mm. And obviously, we maybe might see some of the of the other new signings. Maybe start. Obviously, now I think Canaridge's had a good international break. She got an assist with Sweden. Um, 
we see Svitkova play against England. And again, I thought she was quite impressive yesterday, um, albeit in a limited sort of Czech Republic outfit. Uh, and yeah, Chelsea having that real ability to rotate. And also with one, no doubt, on that Champions League game that is next week. So who do you think, predict your starting eleven? Oh God, I I don't I don't know to be honest. Um, we know Emma doesn't usually like <laughs> making too many changes. Yeah. Um, but I would love to see Canide in the starting lineup. Um, I saw her play in the preseason game against Spurs, and she was a standout player by far. Um, and I think it's interesting that Emma hasn't played her too much yet. Maybe it's that she's still kind of settling in. Mm. Um, but in that preseason game against Spurs, she was incredible. The, the player I'd personally like to see a bit more is Yelena Kankovic. I thought Kankovic came on, or Shankovic, I'm not quite sure how you pronounce it yet, but when she came on against West Ham, the vision and the way she was dictating play and dictating players around her, it was a very G so young-esque. And I, you know, I use that as very, very sort of high praise. I think, you know, I'm not saying she's on the same level as Jisoo Young because I don't think she is at the moment, but I think she could prove to be a real, real astute signing as well. But, okay, well, I won't force you to have a think on the 11 because, to be fair, I think it will be hard to predict, especially coming back from an international break. I'm not sure what's that applies to But I am going to ask you for a score prediction. Oh, okay. Um, I will go... I think I'll go same West Ham, 3-1. Through one and score scorers. Um, hopefully harder. I would love to see her back on the pitch, and I think if she's on the pitch, she's got a good chance of getting a goal. Um, and then I would love to see Gura Wright and get another goal. I think she's such an underrated player. Um, not just in the WSL but internationally as well. Mm. Um, and maybe. Probably Sam, just for just for confidence purposes. Um, yeah, it's it's never bad getting on a getting on the score sheet early on in the season. Yeah, and again, it's one of those things for strikers. Once you get a couple of games in a row where you've scored in a couple of appearances, we're seeing it again with the men with Ob- with Obama Young. I mean, I think a I don't think he ever lacks in self confidence. I don't think Kerr does either. But obviously, getting that first goal against Crystal Palace, but then you know suddenly he's in the right place at the right time twice against Milan, and to score two very different finishes that require different things, but both require a top striker sort of brain and the brain of a top striker. And obviously, I'm sure Sam Kerr will be keen on getting back into that golden boot race. Um, I think currently, I'm right in saying it's Beth Mead leading it with four. Probably, yeah. I, th- I think that that sounds about right. I think it's Beth Mead. Um, but obviously, you know, Chelsea will be no doubt aware that there's plenty of time still for it and plenty of time still to go. But I think that's about all we have time for. Although I do have one final question for you. This is my surprise new question for all people that come on on the men's uh, podcast. We have a quiz. I don't do anything quite as brutal as that on here. But I'm going <laughs> to ask you for your favourite. Chelsea women memory or match that you've been to live and why? Ooh, um, the Sam Kerr chip against Arsenal in the FA Cup final. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was about to say, I was going to say it was either going to be, well, as soon as you mentioned Sam Kerr, it was either going to be that or the goal against Aston Villa when I may or may not have broke that seat at Kings Meadow. Um, <laughs> 
because that I mean that was that was brilliant as well but I think the the one at the FA Cup final she was right in front of me coming coming down that side and I was like come on Sam come on Sam and she did it and I was just the, the whole the, well not the whole place half of it erupted it was brilliant yeah the, the half the half that were there that we care about right yeah enjoyed it but no I, I agree and that was a true wonderful yeah I think it was one of the like the iconic moments I think of last season especially after the way the opening day lost against Arsenal once again yeah. against Lino and then you know coming back and knowing that wasn't the real Chelsea and seeing the real Chelsea that day but hopefully we'll see the real Chelsea again on Sunday but Jess before you go do you want to let everyone know where they can find you um I'm yeah Twitter Instagram at graphics by underscore Jess marvelous and for everyone else Thank you very much for listening. We will be back with another episode very shortly featuring Jay, as I've said, discussing Chelsea's fantastic victories over Wolves and AC Milan, where we'll discuss the Diego Costa's testimonial around the stadium, uh, pray the fact Reese James is not injured, and maybe even discuss if we can go all the way in the Champions League. And next week we'll be back with another episode of Believe in CSCW, where we will look at the Everton game and also look at our opening Champions League game as well. But In the meantime, have a fantastic day. Thank you very much for listening and keep the blue flag flying high.